you can train somebody to do the technical aspects of a job. You cannot train people for their attitude and their work ethic. And so in working with students, I always try to mentor for the A attitude as in, in conjunction with the academic pursuits they're having to. Welcome to the Leadership Download Podcast. On today's episode, we have aviation industry leader, Kurt Castagna. Uh, you're in store for an amazing interview. Uh, Kurt is president and CEO of Aeroplex Group Partners, and he is also the president and CEO of NATA, which is the National Air Transportation Association. In addition to those roles, Kurt also holds several roles in various industry organizations and also gives back through being an adjunct faculty for a, a local college. So we talk with Kurt, we dive into his story about his rise to aviation, to the roles that he holds currently, and he's also going to share some uh, advice to emerging leaders, new individuals entering the aviation industry, or the workforce in general, uh, based on the things that he's seen from his level, his experience, and through mentoring others within the industry. Uh, You are really going to enjoy this podcast interview with Kurt, and if you don't know him, um, you're going to have to follow him on social media as well. I've dropped that link in the podcast description as well. He's heavily involved in the industry and uh, really a voice for the industry as well. So you're going to get to know Kurt very well in this interview and really hope you enjoy this episode with Kurt Castagna. Well, thank you so much, Kurt, for being on the podcast. Really happy to have you on. Cameron, it's great to be here, and thanks for the invitation. I look forward to our conversation. Yeah, for sure. It's been uh, great knowing you um, as a an aviation industry leader. So I really wanted to uh, have you on this podcast to share kind of your knowledge, not only from the industry, but also your involvement with uh, the ac- academics. And so I wanted to start off by, you know, there's probably people that don't really know you uh, on this podcast that are listening. Um, let's start with taking a deep dive into your story and your rise in the aviation industry. Sure. Thanks, Cameron. Um, again, I'm, I'm, it's been proud to watch your, uh, your evolution too, and the experience just, you know, tracking you and working with you in Van Nuys at, for a period of time and just pleasure to be here. So I think like most people, maybe in my age group and generation that are involved in FBO and, and, um, business aviation, you know, my career started really in line service. Um, and even before line service, I was, uh, roughly about 12, 11 or 12 years old. And my brother-in-law at the time was a flight instructor, took me for my first flight where he allowed me to fly in the left seat. And I kind of got hooked on the flying bug at that point. And, um, it was probably a, a year or two later where I started my first job at the airport through a connection that my father had um, at a small um, FBO operation in Long Beach, where I started out washing airplanes and pumping gas um, for a little flight school. And it was that experience where I really learned, you know, the connection to relationships and and um, seeing jobs that I really didn't um, have a lot of knowledge about, but I was learning new things. And I was in high school at the time. And and I, I took early on the philosophy that, um, you know, I saw the person ahead of me in their job, whether it be a supervisor or manager. And I just developed this attitude, like I can do that and um, tried to find, you know, roles to play that were beyond the position I was in. So that evolved into a position um, 
at a interplane fueling operation at Long Beach Airport for all the airlines managed and ultimately managing that operation. And then while I was in college, um, the facility here that I'm now a partner in um, was built and it was built for the then original Atlantic Aviation, the DuPont family Atlantic. Um, and I was fortunate to land a job as a line service guy and the um, working for Atlantic's new operation here while I was going to college and ultimately worked my way through various roles and lead and supervisor and ultimately the manager of the FBO operation when Atlantic Aviation decided to leave California at the time. And that was probably early, you know, right before their transition to an ownership sale. And I was given the opportunity to go back east and work with Atlantic, and I instead took a position that was offered to me by the developer who built the facility to take over the operation and create it as Aeroplex. And I think this will go on to um, different parts of our story here in discussion today, because it was all those experiences that were very new to me um, that led me to positions that, I that I'm in today, but I would have never predicted. Um, but I was really fortunate to be given opportunities in an early age by people that saw some value in my work ethic um, that gave me opportunities to excel. And that's, I would say, is kind of the core of how I feel today about helping others. Wow, this was the actual first time I think I've actually heard your story. So it's been kind of interesting listening. Um, this is all all news to me. Um so, so Kurt, uh, you mentioned that that uh, folks gave you opportunities um, to to try different roles, and that took you really ac across the country and provide and you're provided different types of opportunities uh, early on in the industry. And of course, this wasn't on your own. This this was people helping you along the way. So, how was how important was mentorship throughout your career journey? You know, I think mentorship started with that first flight that I took with my brother-in-law, where he was really, he became the mentor to me from a, from a pilot standpoint. He ultimately became a B-52 and KC-10 pilot in the Air Force and ultimately retired um, from United Airlines. But throughout my whole flying aspect of my life, um, he's been that mentor to me. And um, in, in work uh, responsibilities, every um, supervisor or boss that I had, I learned something from some of it good and some of it bad, some how to do it, some ways how not to do it. And so I had mentorship, some of it not always intentional, but I was I was a sponge for that information to learn. And um, as I tried to demonstrate that I could be trusted, um, you know, the assignments and roles were given to me. And so, you know, when at a probably more critical age, when I was about 26 years old is when Atlantic was leaving um, California and the um, ownership group, the development group asked me to stay on and convert it and create Aeroplex, the FBO. And it was that experience where I really learned that in order to succeed in what I was going to do, I was really going to need to rely on the relationships of people um, outside the network of just our business. So those could have been public officials, those could have been airport managers, those could have been other FBO operators um, that I could help um, teach me, whether it be indirectly or directly. And so I would say that mentorship is really, um, you know, I'm, I am where I am today because of the trust that people had in me and, and the mentorship that was given to me, some of it very intentional, um, some of it not. Um, our founder of Aeroplex um, started the business in 1977 um, in Van Nuys. Um, I ultimately 
soon after I took over the Long Beach operation, started um, taking over and managing the Van Nuys operations for them. And at that point in time, um, we had just really three locations in the Aeroflex family. Today, we've you know tripled that number, um, and that's post the 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 death of the passing of the original founders, who really bestowed on me the operating manager uh, role for their um, investment group. Um, after they were gone. And so I was their successor manager. And so <clears throat> that founder of Aeroplex was really, I would say, my key business mentor in my life. Um, he was a real estate developer by trade. He built some very significant buildings that he was involved in that many people know, the Pan Am building in New York, the Sears Towers in Chicago, and in downtown Los Angeles, a couple of large high rises. But he was also an active pilot and and, um, and he realized early on that, you know, hangers were something um, that were in high demand. And this is, again, in the late 70s and 80s, where he invested his capital um, where people didn't need to. And he saw the need for hangar development, I think, long in advance of where I think the industry is today. And so he provided some really strong business practices for me, um, teaching me processes in construction and development that wasn't my academics experience and it wasn't really my FBO experience. So I learned those as I was, it was a work in progress. Um, and so I would attribute that mentorship to really the, the success I've had today. Mm -hmm. well, that, that's great to kind of hear your story about how really mentorship um, played that role, even from the, the founder of Aeroplex. Um, before we move forward, Kurt, if you can give a little brief overview of the roles that you play today uh, in the industry, um, just before we move forward in, in the dis discussion. Sure. So I'm president and CEO of the Aeroplex um, Group Partners. Um, it's a it's a uh, host of um, today about um, nine different um, LLC entities with various roles um, in either property development, project management, property management. Um, and we have a number of locations um, in the Western United States. Um, and so that, that role I've, um, I continue to serve. I have a fantastic staff, um, our operations based in Long Beach. Um, and that staff, um, where my son's really assisting me and leading that organization, has allowed me to take on other roles over the last many years to um, really expand in, in opportunities, mentoring opportunities or leadership opportunities. So um, I'm currently the president of the Van Nuys Airport Association, um, the tenants, the master tenants, as well, the Long Beach Airport Association. And um, for the, about the last seven or eight years, I had served on the board of the National Air Transportation Association, NATA. And in that role on the board, I was able to really, um, at a national level, interact with some of the nation's you know, senior leadership and FBOs, Part 135 and maintenance companies. And it was truly an honor to be able to sit at the table with, um, you know, leadership and learn from them on a, on a much larger perspective than just my regional effort. And as I was rolling off the board um, a year ago or so, um, our leadership at NATA typically comes from industry. We think that that's um, appropriate for an organization to be able to have leadership from industry as opposed to just a traditional trade association leader. And so they, the board had asked me to stay on and serve um, as the role of president. So now I, I'm in the role of president of the National Air Transportation Association and managing and working with that staff um, based all around the country and in DC. 
And um, I'm able to do that where I bring this knowledge from outside the beltway into our organization to really help us lead us on legislative and regulatory strategies um, to further the members for our, our 3,800 FBO and, and 135 and MRO flight schools, all sorts of different general aviation businesses, um, and, and take the experience that I've gained in the private side to that effort. So those are my current, um, besides being a father, grandfather, and uh, still an active pilot today as well, but I do it for fun. Yeah, it's it's been great following your journey and how you're just within the 10 years since I've been in the industry, how your career has uh, evolved. And uh, I'm sure, you know, going back to our mentorship discussion, um, you identified one mentor. Um, is there another mentor that you would like to identify that has helped you throughout your career journey? So, you know, I often say that my uh, so Milton Weidlitz was our founder. He's, he uh, passed in 2010. And um, I would say he was like my senior mentor of business. And, and then, uh, of course, my father was my mentor, uh, but not so much in business, but work ethic. Uh, my dad had a very strong work ethic that I think I inherited. And I think I could, na I could name a, several dozen mentors um, from, you know, FBO presidents to government officials that I've learned things from to um, airport managers that I've learned things from. And again, um, in watching them, I've watched them. And so that's been a mentorship experience and as well as just in conversation uh, with them and, and then teaching me their experience. Mm. And so, you know, I can't name one, but there's countless. And I still am in an experience today where I feel like I'm being mentored. And I, you know, I think as we evolve in this conversation, I think it's how do I, I've turned that to providing it to experience to, you know, the younger generation through an academic uh, uh, adjunct professor role that I've had. Um, and I think that's the responsibility that all aviation business leaders have is to somehow fulfill workforce development through mentorship. Yeah. So um, going back to what, what have you found, what really are the benefits of having a mentor um, for you? So Certainly, it, it provides you the ability to bounce ideas off and strategy and, and have somebody of confidence that you can share those in a safe environment. That's one aspect of it. Um, I also think it's the wisdom that you get from people that have been in places that maybe you haven't navigated before and are able to share that. And you're willing to be vulnerable to ask and they're, they're willing to be vulnerable to share. Um, I think I mentioned, you know, in our uh, before this the podcast that so I've served as a adjunct professor, professor in a couple of different colleges um, at California State University, Los Angeles. Um, they have a bachelor's program in aviation management. And I started teaching there um, in early 90s and over 30 years spent, you know, once or twice a year teaching a general aviation class or an air cargo class or a safety class or an airport operations class. And, and I'm doing that now at another institution here, Cypress Community College in Orange County. And I've really found that, I mean, as many as the projects that I've worked on in the various organizations that I mentioned, um, the most rewarding has been the roles I've played as, a, um, as an adjunct because you really find the experience of students that are really receptive to being mentees are, are sponges for information and, and you have the ability to change the course of their life. Mm. Um, and so in fact, um, today, or uh, 
there's two of my former students or my employees at Aeroplex, and I've had up to four um, at one time that are um, employees of mine, and and several of them have gone on to do much bigger and better things. Um, but it's been very rewarding to um, to work with them as as both um, their professor, but also as their employer. And and I will tell you that none of them were A students. Um, they had they were C students with A attitudes. And, you know, a message today is that you can train somebody to do the technical aspects of a job. You cannot train people for their attitude and their work ethic. And um, and so in working with students, I always try to mentor for the A attitude um, as in, in conjunction with the academic pursuits they're having to. Yeah, I'd like to touch on that a bit more. Um, you have seen you have seen young people in classes you've seen young people in the workforce. And what do you feel like through your experience and through your observations, what are the skills that you think that uh, the young people that are listening today on this podcast really need to refine um, to be able to set them up, set them up for success in the workforce? So I think Cameron, you can appreciate this going, reflecting back on maybe your own college days, you're sitting in the classroom, you're, you're taking maybe aviation related or general aviation classes. And you're wondering, where am I going? What am I, you know, what's my future? What am I going to do with this? And, 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 you know, there's a lot of unknowns. I know for me, when I was in school, um, my, I had a uh, associate's degree in aviation management and my bachelor's degree is in public administration with an emphasis in airport management. And I think that the, the thing that I've watched over the last 30 years with students is, um, really the need today to hone their skills in communication and in uh, specifically in writing and in oral presentations. And, you know, there's a lot of talk today about, you know, technology and iPhones and, and gaming and all sorts of distractions that I think, I think high school and college students have as far as how they can use their technology to communicate. And I think we've lost a little bit of that ability to, for the networking, the personal relationships and networking and where I think students that um, practice their writing skills and their oral presentation skills, and at the same time work on opportunities for networking or internships, I think those are the students that I see in programs that really excel because they get outside the just traditional academic environment of the classroom and they try to apply um, those life skills to their whatever their career path. Um, and then I would also say that you know, for those that are working or pursuing a, a, a career path in aviation, there's so many on-ramps into this industry. Um, I think all of us can identify with pilot, flight attendant, mechanic, and air traffic controller. I think most you know, people outside the industry can identify with that. But when you really look at the opportunities for engineering and architecture and finance, um, there are so many on-ramps for, um, you know, young students in college to get into aviation in those areas that are so non-traditional. In fact, they don't need an aviation degree to do that. Um, I think that, again, those, those students that practice their um, skill in becoming a better communicator, um, whether it's oral or writing, um, those are the students that I think ultimately end up, and I think you're a prime example of that because, um, you know, you're, you, you're a tremendous writer, you have oral presentation skills, you've really, I've watched you in your, even in your leadership role and experience um, through FBOs, is you got outside your comfort zone. 
and it's the comfort zone where people sit in their comfort zone. They're not really growing. Yeah, that's so true. It's it's so easy, you know, reflecting back on my experience as a student and early on in the industry, it's so easy to play it safe and just cruise through and get that really comfy role and really just have that mediocre career. And in this industry, <laughs> that's almost difficult to do because there's so many opportunities. There's so much of involvement and engagement that you need in order to be set on that trajectory in the industry for for growth and set yourself up for success. And, you know, Kurt, one of those things that you mentioned is internships. Internships are crucial um, to start gaining that experience. And uh, if you can touch on that a little bit more, and then also additional involvements in the industry beyond just the job or the internship, I found that so valuable and you're heavily involved in the industry, not just through your organization or organizations, but you're involved in in other uh, different groups where you're able to have a voice and impact in terms of where the industry is going. So can you touch on those two elements? Sure. Um, You know, I tell the students in the classroom, I usually ask uh, uh, the first night of class, I'll usually ask a class of, let's say, 20 to 30 students, how many of them, you know, are working? And, you know, hands will raise. How many of are working in the industry? Very few hands will raise. And then I ask what they want to do. And there's a, you know, some of them want to pursue flying careers. Some of them want to go into air traffic control. Some of them want to go into airport management. And I'll ask, well, what are you doing to get into those roles? What are you doing to, you know, find an experience? And what I try to walk the students through is understanding that if you just go through your college academic program, and by the way, I think as an industry, we have um, need to refine better the technical um, jobs that are out there, A&P and others that provide huge opportunities for those that aren't necessarily academically focused, technical jobs. I think as a society, we're trying to do that. But I try to encourage the students, if you're going to go through your four-year program and wait to start working in, when you're, until you're done, you're going to be behind. Because it's the students that have found opportunities to either volunteer, call that an internship, if you will, or are actually looking for paid internships or unpaid internships. Those are the ones that are going to gain not only the academic education, but the real life world experience um, at the same time. And when they go get out of college, they're going to be able to advance a little farther or faster, I would say, than the student that didn't do that. And, you know, we've heard quite a bit from my generation when they look back at the younger generation and you see students that come out of college at, you know, early in their early 20s and they want to go right into the role of president of an organization. And I reflect back on my own experience. I started washing airplanes, cleaning hangars, you know, um, doing line service, towing and fueling and, you know, servicing the, the janitorial services of an airplane. Those today, I look back and, and much of what I do today, as far as thinking about airport development and experience, I find my roots back to where how I started, because it gives me an indication of appreciating, um, you know, what the needs are of the industry. And I think so the students that come out and don't want to have that experience of the from the ground up type of experience, they're cheating themselves in a way because they're in order to be a truly effective leader, you have to appreciate the organization at all levels. And if you try to start out at the top, um, you're going to miss those opportunities. Yeah, I can definitely speak on that because um, 
my goal when I went to school at San Jose State was trying to get through it as fast as I could to graduate on time and early. And then I realized I graduated and I didn't have any work experience. All, all my work experience was working at the local golf course in my hometown as a caddy. And I didn't really have the experience. So I, I was already set back because I didn't pursue getting an internship. Uh, I got involved with the local av- business aviation group, which which sort of that's what helped me launch my career. But um, I quickly once I started with that first company, I quickly realized that I'm not going to be the president tomorrow, uh, that I would need to work and learn the business, just get work experience and learn those soft skills, things like customer service, how to deal with conflict, how to work with people. And I, I was set back a little bit, but that's where I truly learned um, just the essentials that you need to it, to be in, in the workforce in general. Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I would predict that even your experience on the golf course is part of your foundation of who you are today because of the, the lessons you learned and the relationships you built there. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, as I have evolved over the last many years, I'm still evolving, but as I evolved, I really realized that mm-hmm. it's the relationships you build with people that are really the core to your ability to be effective as a as a expert in whatever your field is. And mm-hmm. so you mentioned what other, you know, besides the trade associations or the uh, airport associations or even our own Aeroplex entities, you know, just being available to um, other businesses to help them with ideas, to surround yourself with other collective minds um, is really, it, it helped me grow. And I think, it, so for students, when you're in college, you know, they'll ask you, well, how do I go to that trade association or how do I get involved? And what I thought my role was, was an adjunct, was to open those doors for them, to introduce them to what we're seeing today, which is much more prevalent than it was 10 years ago. But the YoPro environments through MBAA or, or, or AAAE or these other organizations that are spending quite a bit of time in developing the, the young professionals, those are opportunities for college age students. We got to introduce them to those opportunities and then find ways to help them, especially those that are in college that are maybe financially strapped to help them go to those conferences and do things that are as simple as create a resume, create a business card, communicate with the people that you're interacting with. Because I think all of us would agree post pandemic, never before have we seen the workforce demand for, for talented um people in our industry you know i remember as in the early 90s everyone would graduate and they'd get their flying certificates and they'd go to fly and they couldn't get jobs because there were no jobs and we're seeing quite the opposite experience now and it's i think it's rather unusual for us to adapt to that Mm -hmm. and getting involved in these different trade uh, organizations that's where you're able to really interact with live people that are actively in the industry and have years of experience under their belt. I mean, it was my involvement through the local group um, out in California, Northern California, where I was able to broaden my horizons on, wow, there's more than just, you know, those traditional aviation paths of pilot, air traffic control, or airport manager. There was this whole different business aviation industry that I'd never really knew about until getting involved in, in this group. And I was able to meet pilots and flight department managers that were flying these private jets. And I I had no idea there was this industry yet so small, yet so large. Yeah, I um, there's probably um, a dozen airport management professionals throughout the country that were former students. 
that mm-hmm. still call me today and want to bounce ideas off and talk about things. Um, you know, I was in in my NATA role. I happened to be in the Senate uh, office buildings um, in D.C., uh, walking the halls in the Senate. And there was a group of pilots walking through in clumps through the very Senate office. And I believe it was the Delta Airlines, you know, the unions. And as I was walking out of one office, they were walking out. And I heard one of them say, hey, Professor Castagna. And it, and, and it was one of my students from like 25 years ago that was a captain for Delta. Uh-huh. And he told me, you know, he just said, hey, it's great seeing you. I think about you and the, the lessons that you shared in the classroom from your own personal experience. And I will tell you that, you know, our company has built millions of, of dollars worth of facilities and have done some really fun projects. But nothing is more rewarding, I think, for an aviation professional than to be able to hear that from some other young person that you made a difference. Because mm-hmm. it's at the end of the day, it's the relationships that really matter. And, you know, I would really encourage folks that are in aviation business to find somebody mentor because it's going to be rewarding for you because you'll learn from those people as well. Especially, again, I consider myself old now. And I, I just had this conversation this morning with somebody where, you know, we're learning about work-life balance and things that were, were that wasn't the work ethic I grew up with. And so <laughs> I'm hearing that now and I'm having to evolve. And so you learn that through just inter, in, you know, interaction with younger people and listening to them and what their needs are. It's, I, it's strange, but it's important. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, there's probably some people listening, you know, we're, we're talking a lot uh, about uh, young people and really encouraging them to pursue higher in the industry. And going back to mentorship, um, you know, someone's probably thinking that's listening on this podcast, you know, I don't have a mentor. How do I find a mentor? Uh, Where do I start? What advice do you have to someone who's looking for a mentor, but doesn't know where to start? So, I, I believe that that um, my colleagues at my level and others um, it, like yourself, if somebody was to call you and say, hey, look, um, Cameron, I'm really interested. I'm going to school. Can you help me um, be a mentor? I think if somebody approaches you, I think most people would want to help. Um, I think where the students need to um, that are in college, let's say, or the young professionals, they have to develop the confidence to attend some of these various aviation conferences in a in a field that may be of interest to them. Again, it could be pilot related, it could be air traffic control related, it could be airport management related, and find a way to get to those networking opportunities and then have the confidence to share themselves a bit to make introductions. Um, I've been fortunate to have a few people that were in the classroom and that I met actually um, at conferences actually call me up and said, you know, look, I'm, I, would you be willing to be my mentor for a period of time? And, and that's a big responsibility because it's a commitment of your time. But when somebody asks you to do that and they go get outside their comfort, comfort zone to ask you, I think it's, you know, I think that's a great sign that you can tell a little bit about their character, too, and their and their work ethic. And so I would really encourage, you know, the younger folks here that might listen to really um, pursue those opportunities, even if it's at your local airport. Find a business there of something that you're interested in or go arrange a coffee with the airport manager if that's something you're interested in. Or if it's in your own classroom, talk to one of the adjuncts or the professors and ask them to make introductions to um, to industry people. And if you're in the industry, if you're one of those people in business or an airport manager, 
try to find opportunities to give that back because that's how you can identify key people of potential people to hire. You know, I, you know, like I said, I've hired a number of my students and they weren't the best students academically, but they were the ones that tried the hardest and um, they've excelled. Um, you know, um, a grade isn't really for me an example of your, your capability. It's right. just, you know, in college to me is, is it's an example of perseverance. Do you, can you manage your time to get through two or three or four years worth of college and establish priorities? And when you graduate, what you're really telling an employer isn't that you're smart, is that you knew how to manage your time and get through the process. It's all the other things that you did while you were in college that's going to impress your employer to make you look different than the applicant that you're competing against. Hmm. Yeah, that's good. I wanted to touch on something about entering the workforce, because I think this is the most critical point for young professionals and emerging professionals and students that are transitioning into really full time being in the workforce. And because I've seen uh, oftentimes fresh college graduates struggle in this, because I would say uh, in my early leadership experience, every college graduate never made it. Uh, they never made it in the in the workforce in the industry. Um, what advice would you have, or what what mistakes have you seen young people do when they enter the workforce? Like, what do they need to do to set them out, set themselves up for success, um, so they put themselves on that trajectory for growth and success um, in the workforce? So the first advice I would give them, and it goes back to the internship discussion, is while you're in college and while you're in the academic pursuits, it's go volunteer somewhere and find a place to volunteer. Look for opportunities for internship. That's going to give you the ability to experiment for yourself. Is this a career path that I really like or is there something that might intrigue me here? And then once you graduate, realize that um, you're young. And that you know you're not going to know it all today, and you're going to need to learn. So be be kind to yourself, because I think a lot of what students come out of college today is their expectation is so high on themselves that they've gone through this pursuit for academics, and that that if they're not being acknowledged in the workforce appropriately, then then they start to question their value. And I think it comes down to having the confidence in the fact that you're going to probably make mistakes and you're probably going to deviate in your path and to have the confidence in yourself that that's okay. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I would say that if I, where I am today from where I was when I was in college and in high school is a night and day difference. I could have never predicted what I was um, going to do, you know, 30 years down the road. But I think the most important lesson for, for young professionals is to create options for yourself, to gain enough experience, both academically and work-related, that you can pivot in your performance of what you're doing. And if that means you're pivoting from, let's say, one type of career path to another type of career path, have enough academic experience and work experience that's going to help you make that transition. Um, and that's why I say you don't necessarily need a degree in aviation to be successful. You know, um, I think I mentioned to you, if you look at all the major airports in the country today, all of them in the 60s and 70s were run by former military pilots, typically. Today, they're all run by, by business people. They're either architects, engineers, or finance experts. And some of them came up through the airport management operations role, 
but many of them are are other technical skills beyond just aviation. Mm. And so be adaptable, find ways to be adaptable, find ways to be to take risk. And if you don't, if you're not willing to take a risk, and I would predict even for you, Cameron, as you were going through this process and you were getting engaged in the various things that you were doing in your in your employment roles, if you weren't taking a risk, you wouldn't be where you're at today. Mm. You know, it's the risk that you took that outside your comfort zone to be a little insecure about it that actually allowed you the growth to, you know, learn something to bounce into something even different. Yeah, that's so true. Um, so as we kind of wrap up this discussion, um, what what were the best words of wisdom that you have received so far? Oh, that's uh, well, you know, I would say um, I remembered a story because it goes back to this conversation we were just having is I had a story where I made a mistake in something when I was managing uh, a facility and I told our founder, I'll never make that mistake again. And he just flipped out on me and said, you will make a mistake again because you're going to take risk. And if you're not taking risk, you're really not being effective for me. Mm -hmm. And and so that was one lesson that uh, I learned. The other lesson was um, get to know people and and, ex and experiment or, or, you know, you often hear it said, trust, but verify, yeah. you know? And so when you listen and learn from people, listen to many people, different people, take opinions, be open. Everyone's got a different view on their experience and not they're not all wrong and maybe they're not all right, but be willing to take different people's opinions to form your own. I think that's an important lesson. And then, you know, um, never be so busy in doing things that you're not really focused on honing your own skills at being a better, you know, manager, employee, supervisor, you know, whatever your leader, you have to be willing to listen to the people around you. And, you know, the older I get, and like I said to you, as I watch the younger generation and I work with our staff at Aeroplex and I work with our team at NATA, I'm really impressed with the commitment that people make to be really engaged in the work they do. And I'm really trying hard to find ways to, to support that. What can I do to help? And so, you know, I think if you start that attitude of what can I do to help and take accountability and responsibility as a young professional, that will carry on through your, through your, um, you know, your career. Mm. Well, this is awesome. Well, hope, hopefully those that are listening to this conversation is learning so much from Kurt and, you know, he comes up, comes with a lot of experience is involved in a lot and, um, Kurt, I do have a, a few short questions as a lightning round so our listeners can get to know you. Um, the first question is, dead or alive, who would you like to have lunch with? Um, Ronald Reagan. Okay. Um, how do you consume content and what are you reading today? So I do a lot of audiobooks um, in the mornings, early in the morning, 5.30 or so. I get up and I usually walk um, a couple of miles and, and I try to work out or ride a bike. And I, so I spend a lot of time on uh, audiobooks and those could be, you know, uh, leadership books or self-help books or, or some sort of nonfiction book I enjoy to read. Mm -hmm. um, I'll be blunt and say that I don't watch the news a lot. Um, I hear the news and I see the news. But I try not to listen to the news because I think it distracts me from my um, my world, my moral vision and my direction that I want to go in. Mm -hmm. And so um, I don't do that. I spend time in my faith 
And, and I, and I use that as kind of a compass for myself and to help guide me, to keep me on track. And so those are some of the things I do to keep myself in balance. Awesome. And final question, what is one thing on your bucket list you would like to do next? Well, that's a great question. So I just finished my float plane rating, um, from an aviation bucket list, I'd say I want to do my glider rating. Um, that's something I've always already done. I've already parachuted. Um, I've flown quite a bit. I think from a other bucket list, I've uh, told my wife I'd like to go to, um, I'd like to do a safari in, in Africa. Um, and right. so that's kind of a travel bucket list item. Well, cool. Cool. Well, um, for those listening, you got to definitely follow Kurt on social media i'll i'll uh, put his linkedin profile in the podcast description um kurt is very active on social media and he shares a lot of the things that he's involved with and kurt's really inspiring watching you from a distance and all that you're involved with in the industry uh and you're a really true role model you not only um are there out there in the industry um doing different speaking engagements but i heard from so many people in the industry and a lot of these people publicly say that you know i am i am where i am today because of the mentorship received by kurt well thank you cameron and um you know i feel the same way about you i'm watching your path and the things that you're doing and um, i'm proud and i'm impressed so it's a pleasure being here today and i'm honored that you'd invite me well thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule so really appreciate you pouring into our, our listeners sure Well, we thank you so much for tuning in to the Leadership Download Podcast. I really hope this podcast really added value from the interview with Kurt Castagna and that you were able to have some awesome takeaways and apply it to your leadership journey or workforce journey, wherever you're at, and was able to learn from these experiences that Kurt has had uh, throughout his um, journey and rise in aviation. And this could be applied to uh, any industry as well, any of the, the things that he's talked about. So really hope you enjoyed this podcast episode with Kurt. And if you want to connect with Kurt, um, I've dropped the LinkedIn profile for him in the podcast description. You can follow him on social media. He's very active and an active voice within the aviation industry. And um, also, if you want to find out more about TC Advisor Group, this podcast, the Leadership Download Podcast, is brought to you by TC Advisor Group, and that is a leadership uh, training and coaching company, along with providing some aviation services. So if you want to find out more about uh, TC Advisory Group and how they can help you, whether it's you need some help with your aviation business or you need some uh, assistance with leadership training or coaching, um, you can contact them at info at tcadvisorygroup.com. You can also check out their website in the podcast description. And also, if you're interested in scheduling a call with them, a discovery call, you can go to tcadvisorygroup.com or I've dropped the link in the podcast description as well and you can find out more about them. Thank you so much again for tuning in and we will catch you on the Leadership Download Podcast next week.